Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, November 30th. More migrants are ending up in the hospital after falling from the border wall. Why local physicians are calling it a public health crisis. Next, but first, let's do the headlines. The number of pertussis or whooping cough cases are rising in the county from 12 in September to 57 last month. Health officials say kids make up the majority of cases. Children cannot get vaccinated until they're a few months old, so the youngest are at the highest risk. Dr. Edmund Milder with Rady Children's Hospital says whooping cough can be hard to identify at first because it starts out like a common cold. And then it can become dramatic. And that's where the name whooping cough comes from is you get these paroxysms or these stretches of coughing. And you cough so many times in a row that you've lost your breath. People often turn colors and they take this big, deep breath in to try and catch up. And that's the whoop noise that you would classically hear. Brady's has also seen an increase in kids testing positive for whooping cough. And one child who tested positive is in intensive care. The SDSU football team officially has a new head coach. Sean Lewis was officially introduced as the Aztecs' new coach yesterday. He's taking over the position vacated by Brady Hoke. Lewis has some work ahead of him. The Aztecs are coming off a disappointing season with just four wins. But Lewis seems optimistic. I'm looking forward to bringing that excitement, that brand of football, where we're lighting up the scoreboard, where we're playing fast. Lewis was most recently part of the coaching staff at Colorado. He will be the 19th head coach in the history of the Aztecs football program. It's expected to rain in most parts of the county today. That's according to the National Weather Service. It's also expected to feel cooler today. Temperatures in the inland and coastal areas will be in the low 60s. In the county's deserts, temperatures will be in the high 60s. And in the mountains, it'll be in the low 40s. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. We're approaching the end of another year and another record for injuries due to falls from the border wall. And with the wall nearly twice as tall as it used to be, the injuries keep getting worse. Border reporter Gustavo Solis talked to doctors who say the wall is creating a public health crisis. When Dr. Alexander Tenorio began his residency program at UC San Diego Health, he didn't expect to see a lot of migrants and asylum seekers. After all, he specializes in brain surgery. But then he covered a couple of shifts in the trauma unit. I started noticing all these uh, brain and spinal cord injuries from migrants coming in. And the reason it stuck with me is because my parents, you know, they're, they're immigrants, they crossed the same border. So it was very personal to me. So I started just looking into it. These patients had something else in common. All of them had fallen from the San Diego section of the border wall. Tenorio saw broken backs, collapsed lungs, 
and severe brain trauma. Uh, once you get above 10 feet, that's when you start seeing these injuries that look like high-energy uh, uh, car accidents. UC San Diego Health is on pace to receive more than 360 border wall-related hospital admissions in 2023, a new record. In fact, the hospital has seen a record number of border patients every year since 2019. That's when the Trump administration increased the border wall height from 17 feet to 30 feet. And the numbers just keep going up. So in, in 2018, um, you know, only less than a dozen patients falling off the wall with serious injuries. Now it's, you know, 340 or plus a year or uh, at least two a day. Dr. Jay Doucette is head of the trauma unit at UC San Diego Medical Health Center in Hillcrest. He's been on the front lines of this epidemic since the beginning. Before, we you know, we might see a foot fracture or, or leg fracture. Now we're seeing everything. Severe brain injuries, um, crushed chests, um, pelvic fractures. Records also show that more women are being hospitalized from border falls. In 2019, less than a quarter of admissions were women. So far in 2023, almost half of fall patients have been women, including more than 20 who were pregnant. This impacts the entire hospital system. Median cost per patient is almost $300,000. The vast majority of those costs are paid for by taxpayers, mostly through the state's Medi-Cal system. These cases also required highly trained specialists who are already overburdened with patients. Doucette says people needing spinal surgery are particularly impacted. There are very few spine surgeons uh, available in San Diego. And the waiting time for all patients, not just border fall patients, but for anybody in San Diego who has a spine fracture, they're now waiting twice as long as the national average to get their fractures fixed. Both doctors Tenorio and Doucette have been sounding the alarm, trying to get people in positions of power to recognize this as a public health crisis. Tenorio was even an expert witness for Congress at a Homeland Security Committee hearing in July. Ultimately, these raised border walls have resulted in a record number of traumatic injuries, increased severity and mortality, and increased economic burden to our hospital systems. Doucette has spoken with elected officials at all levels of government. You know, they're all very concerned, but unfortunately nobody seems to have any answers to it. He says today's political climate plays a significant role. It's obvious when talking to representatives, it's a radioactive issue. Nobody wants to talk about the wall. You know, the, the increase in injuries has occurred through two different administrations, and neither of them want to talk about this. Both doctors plan to continue researching the issue and advocating for solutions. They're already collaborating with trauma doctors in Texas and Arizona to get an idea of just how widespread this problem is. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. A deadly section of West Point Loma Boulevard in San Diego was due to get a protected bike lane this year. But bike advocates say those plans fell apart because of state regulators. Here's Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. People here want to be able to walk and bike to be able to safely cross the street. I meet Stefan Vance on West Point Loma Boulevard. Years ago, he, some neighbors, and city officials all agreed this street needed protected bike lanes. The problem? The street falls under the jurisdiction of the California Coastal Commission. They wanted the city to analyze the traffic impacts and amend their local coastal program. Vance says that's putting bureaucracy ahead of common sense. Let's be reasonable about what we do 
to preserve coastal access and at the same time protect safety of people traveling regardless of how they're going about town. Kate Hucklebridge, executive director of the Coastal Commission, blamed city officials for not acting sooner. Of course the commission supports bike lanes. We met with the city over a year ago and offered multiple options to move forward with this and other bike lane projects in the city, but they didn't follow through. Regardless, we remain committed to working with the city to get it approved quickly and consistent with the law. The city recently repaved the street without adding bike lanes. Just one month ago, a woman was struck from behind while biking on West Point Loma Boulevard, right where the bike lanes would have been installed. She was hospitalized but survived. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. A player on the girls' softball team at Del Norte High School in Poway and her family have filed a lawsuit against Poway School Superintendent Marion Phelps. Reporter John Carroll says the case centers on an alleged slight at an awards banquet. The daughter of Poway Schools Superintendent Marion Phelps won Most Valuable Player at the banquet in May. The plaintiff, referred to as Jane Doe, says Phelps texted her later that evening and also called her. Doe says Phelps was upset that her daughter didn't receive enough applause. An investigation into Doe followed, which resulted in her losing all her extracurricular privileges, including playing softball. Her attorney, Justin Reedon, says it was a brutal summer for his client. This has been very traumatic for my client for the last six months. Um, it's, a, it's a daily emotional toll on her. The district and Phelps did not respond to our request for comment, but previously Phelps told our media partner 10 News that she's done nothing wrong. Reedon says she should resign or the board should fire her. A trial date for the suit hasn't been set. John Carroll, KPBS News. The San Diego Humane Society is trying to learn who abandoned two horses last week in the Tijuana River Valley Regional Park. Reporter Jacob Baer says one of the animals didn't survive. The horses were abandoned just days apart at a staging area corral in the Tijuana River Valley Regional Park. Humane Law Enforcement's Regina Price says both horses were in poor condition and taken to San Diego Humane Society's Escondido campus for immediate treatment. Both times the horses had no food or water, so had a member of the public not seen them, um, the animals could have succumbed to dehydration and starvation. While the first horse is recovering well, the second horse had to be euthanized due to its severe pain. For people who need to rehome any animal, Price says to reach out to their organization for help. Anyone with information about the abandonment of the two horses is asked to call San Diego Humane Society's Humane Law Enforcement. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, a local dietitian talks about how we can eat healthier. We need to actually put a little bit more intention and effort and energy into the foods that we select, how we prepare those foods, and even how we eat those foods. We'll have more on how our food culture has changed over the years, just after the break. Hi, 
I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. According to the CDC, the prevalence of obesity has increased over the past two decades. Sharp Reese Steely, Director of Obesity Medicine, says that one reason for this increase is our food environment. Food is more accessible today than in the past. You can find it at any time of the day and night, but that doesn't make it healthier. Tracy Roberts is a clinical dietitian with UCSD Health. She joined my colleague Jane Heinemann to talk more about food and our relationship with it. She also shared tips on how we can make eating healthier a priority. Here's that conversation. As a dietitian, how would you like to see our food culture change? I think we actually need to dial the clock back a little bit. I think if we're to look forward and strive towards better health, better relationship with our food, better relationship with our bodies, we need to go back to a time where food was not so convenient and not so ubiquitous in our lives. We need to actually put a little bit more intention and effort and energy into the foods that we select, how we prepare those foods, and even how we eat those foods. I think that's really the key in starting to kind of turn around. I hate to use the word toxic, but to to turn around the unfavorable food conditions that we have right now. And so what are the barriers uh, that you see to getting to that place? Uh, What's preventing us from eating better, more healthful food? The number one answer that I hear as a practitioner is time. Most of my patients, they want to eat more healthy. uh, They want to cook better foods for themselves and for their families. They just really struggle with finding time to grocery shop, finding time to prepare a meal. It's much easier to order takeout or to go through the drive-thru. So I think finding some time for eating, uh, for cooking, for shopping is really the main barrier for most people. The reasons for why we eat have really changed over the years. Um, How have they changed? I think food is not really is not just a means of fuel and nutrition for our body. We use food for many different ways. Celebrations, coping, stress, boredom. Uh, We eat for many, many more reasons beyond just hunger and beyond nutrition. And I think, again, given the current pace of life, how busy everyone is, the multiple stressors that we have, food is seen now more as a as a task. And so we tend towards those foods that are convenient. Let's get the job done. It's time for dinner. Let's just get something that we can eat and be done with it and move on with our night. We don't have a lot of time. I'm going to eat my lunch while I'm working. I'm going to have a protein bar in the car while I drive to work. So I think those are some of the challenges that we're facing right now. 
And you touched on this earlier, but you say the issue of eating healthy is really not about education. Tell me more about that. I think most people would probably say, and again, this comes from a lot of the patients that I work with, I know I should eat healthier. I know I should have more fruits and vegetables. I don't hydrate enough. I don't think that knowledge really is the deficit. I believe some people are really just struggling with prioritization of food as a means for better health. Again, we we tend to focus a little bit now in our culture of what are the quick fixes? We're going to the internet for information about nutrition and we're inundated with how we should be eating. Should we be vegan or vegetarian? Uh, should we be eating paleo? Should we start keto? Is intermittent fasting the way to go? And more of our focus and attention is put into these hacks, these dietary hacks, rather than in the food itself. If we could shift our attention and our focus into the food itself, honestly, it would matter less the pattern of our eating, whether we're a vegetarian, you can be healthy as a vegetarian, you can be healthy eating paleo. But the thing that's more important is, are we putting time and effort into our food? I think that's the path forward in really understanding the value of our relationship with food and putting some effort and some energy into that relationship versus finding the quote unquote right diet or the right way to eat. Right. And with so many factors and things sort of competing for our time, uh, how can we prepare healthier foods and be more conscious about what we purchase, prepare and eat uh, when we when we feel like we don't have time? It really just comes down to choice. You know, we all have 24 hours in the day and we all have buckets that require our time and attention. And it does take a very conscious, deliberate choice to start to put more of your time and more of your energy into health and eating. Now, I think some people, maybe they'll feel frustrated with where they perceive themselves now where they would like to go with their diet, and it just seems insurmountable, especially if they are dealing with time issues or budgetary constraints. So it feels almost, you know, why should I try if I'm not going to hit this ideal? I think really uh, a good mindset is one more thing, one more night of cooking dinner, one more day of going to the market to grocery shop rather than going to the drive-thru or ordering takeout. You don't have to hit that perfect mark. I always tell my children, progress, not perfection. So if you can even incorporate Thursday night's going to be the night that we all make dinner, or even two nights a week, we're going to sit down as a family and enjoy a meal. No TV, no cell phones. We're just going to start small and start to incorporate some healthy habits and build from there. That was UCSD health clinical dietitian Tracy Roberts speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heineman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, a special guest joins me to fill us in on what we need to know about this year's December nights in Balboa Park. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday.
KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.